This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Hello, everyone. My name is Erin Trelore, and I am the host of Raw Beauty Talks. We're taking you behind the highlight reel of the world's biggest influencers and wellness gurus to get a raw glimpse of what beauty, health, and wellness look like in today's world so that you can feel your absolute best in your body and in your life. Check, 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 mic check. One, two, three. Is this thing on? How is everybody doing today? Can we do a little raw beauty checkup from the neck up? Just take a moment, whatever you're doing, notice where you're at right now. How's your mental well being? How are you feeling today? What thoughts have been popping up for you? We're not judging any of this stuff, we're just getting curious about it. We're noticing. Sink down into your body for a moment. Notice if there's any tightness or anxiety or pain that's bubbling up. And notice that you can just be with whatever is there. You don't necessarily have to do anything about it. Sometimes just bringing some awareness to it or noticing it is enough to create a little shift. This last week has been a little insane over here. I'm not going to lie. I'm fully breaking out all over my face. I've got like painful cystic acne zits. I don't know what is happening. I'm assuming it's because I have been a little stressed. There have been so many exciting things going on. And also, even when there's so many exciting things, in moments it can be really overwhelming, right? And I've definitely worked some later nights. I definitely dip my fingers into a lot of chocolate. That's okay. That is all good. A lot of things that I've dreamed about are coming to fruition, and I'm so excited to talk to you about it. Actually, maybe I'll just tell you a few things right now. Girls, I have connected with a literary agent, and she's really excited about the possibility of doing a raw beauty book. I don't even want to talk about this because it's like, Maybe if I talk about it, it's not going to happen. But at the same time, I kind of want to keep you looped in on everything that's going on. So if you can just put all the positive vibes out there, because this would be a dream come true. We also have the Caitlin Bristow X Raw Beauty Reset happening starting May 9th. Caitlin is going to be doing the Raw Beauty Reset. So for those of you who are like, what is the reset? What are you even talking about right now? Let me remind you, it's my 12-week group coaching program designed to help transform your relationship with food and your body. We spend 12 weeks going through online modules, doing a weekly group coaching call. That call is always recorded, so if you can't attend the call, you can always watch later. You get handouts. We're going for like the deep, long-lasting transformation here. You're going to learn how to eat intuitively, how to move your body in a way that feels really good and joyful and sustainable. Most importantly, we're going to dig beneath all of those actions and a little bit deeper into your thoughts and your beliefs. This is the pillar of mindset that we work on. And this program is really different from any other program out there in that we're looking at creating that deep transformation from within. So the whole goal of the program for anybody who's in this cycle of overeating or binging or restricting or thinking about food all the time or feeling really unhappy in your body, we're going to leave all of that behind. 
all of that behind in 2021. And I'm going to show you the exact steps and formula that I use to start to eat intuitively, to really step into my strength and to find food freedom and and freedom within my body. So check that out. It's going to be really fun. We've got incredible sponsors on board. We're going to be doing giveaways every week. Feels like we're coming out of COVID times. Well, not really actually in Vancouver. We've gone back into lockdown. So maybe I'm just dreaming here. But I think because it's spring and summer, there's something in the air that is like ready for a reset. Okay. Some things that I'm loving this week. Let's talk about it before we dive into this episode with Aaron Souza. I found this girl on Instagram that has really nothing to do with raw beauty talks. And I haven't worked a corporate job in years, but her content is so spot on and hilarious. If you're needing something to just give you a laugh, and especially if you're working in a corporate job, make sure you're following at corporate Natalie. Again, literally has nothing to do with anything that we're talking about here. However, she's very funny. And sometimes we just need to kind of lighten things up a little bit. I'm going to put a few of the other people that I'm loving following on Insta down below. I have found, I don't know if anyone else is feeling this way, that from day to day lately, it feels like I've been riding the wave of about 50 different emotions. Like we're ebbing and flowing between sadness, anger, excitement, extreme creativity, healing, creative mental blocks, overwhelm, physical pain in my body, like the desire to go sprint down the flipping road and do a bunch of squats. I mean, it's all there right now. It's all there. And so I was thinking about what a roller coaster life is and how incredible it is that as human beings, we can experience so much in our body. I just wanted to remind you, if you're noticing this within yourself, maybe you feel a combination of happiness and sadness and fear and love in the day that it's allowed. It's all allowed. It's normal. It's okay to feel all the things. And when we try to put a cap on any of our emotions, you know, if we try to block the sadness or the hurt or the anger or the boredom, we also put a cap on the happiness and the amount of joy that we can feel and the sense of calm that we're craving and the peace, that inner peace that we're looking for. So let it bubble up. Let yourself feel it all fully. This is what it is to be human, and that is an incredible gift. I am so excited for today's guest and for the conversation that we're going to have. As we're heading towards Mother's Day, we've got a couple of moms coming up on the podcast who are going to share their unique and individual stories in becoming moms. All right, before we dive in, if I could ask you a huge favor, can you click on the link in the show notes and just take one moment to leave us a review on iTunes? The more reviews that we have, the more visibility the podcast gets, which makes a world of difference in us being able to continue to do this show and to spread the messages of our incredible guests. So if you've been tuning in, if you've been listening to some episodes, I know I'm getting messages from some of you saying, I just binged like 20 episodes, which is amazing. All I ask is if you could leave us a little review and maybe share it with a friend or two, that would be incredible. All right, great. (laughs) Now you can roll with it or not. Let's get on with the show. 
Fast forward to the end of 2024. Think of your goals for a second. What can you do right now to give yourself the best chance of succeeding? If you want to learn a new language, you absolutely should get Babbel. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that really don't help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversation, and Babbel's tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teachings so you're ready to practice what you learned in the real world. If you're heading to another country, Country anytime soon, start using Babbel a few weeks before you go to learn basics like how to order food, ask for directions, speak to merchants without having to consult language apps while you're away. So fun. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash raw beauty talks. Get 55% off at babbel.com slash raw beauty talks. That's spelled B A B B E L dot com slash talks. Rules and restrictions may apply. This episode is brought to you by Lola V, an award-winning hair care line founded by the fabulous Jennifer Aniston. Jen got tired of the same old struggle we all face, choosing between hair products that work and ones that are actually good for us. With Lola V, that dilemma is history. We all put our hair through the ringer. That's why it's crucial to have products that not only repair the look of the damage, but also shield your locks from future harm. Enter Lola V's bestsellers, the Glossing Detangler and the Perfecting Leave-In Conditioner. They're your hair's new best friend. For a limited time, you get 15% off your entire order at lolavie.com. Just use the code RAWBEAUTYTALKS at checkout. Lolavie is all about naturally derived plant-based goodness, no silicone, sulfates, parabens, or gluten, and of course, cruelty-free and vegan. That's 15% off your order at lolavie.com with promo code RAWBEAUTYTALKS. You can only use one promo code per order and discounts can't be combined. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Tell them I sent you over. We're going to dive into a topic today that I know a lot of women have either experienced personally or that they know someone near and dear to them who has gone through this. And yet I really feel like it is a topic that not enough people talk about. And there's just so much secrecy is absolutely the wrong word, but it's just, there's a lot of unknown around it unless you've been through it. And in which case you like intimately know the journey. So I have one of my dear friends, Erin Souza joining me today. Erin is a mom and a business owner. She's a brand strategist. We've had the opportunity to work together. She's an incredible woman who advocates for so many things and stands for so many things. You really truly do, whether it's showing up as an entrepreneur, supporting your community, advocating for, you know, what you really believe in and small businesses, but putting aside the the work titles and the accolades that you've received, we're going to talk about your personal life and your journey into motherhood, your fertility journey, essentially. As I know for me, at least I have so many friends who've gone through this and work with a lot of women who are on this journey themselves. So thank you for being here. Thank you for opening up your heart and your story and uh, for sharing with us. Thank you so much for having me, Erin. I haven't seen you in way too long. And Erin and I go actually way back. I actually consulted for the very first iteration of Raw Beauty Talks, which was how long ago? Ages, ages, ages. So when you first put out the website and it was about going without makeup, 
we sat down and I helped you go through your site and kind of fine tune it for the launch and look at how far it's come. It's a movement. I have so many people on Instagram that are just obsessed with the content that you put out. I know behind the scenes, I'm sure it feels a lot different than, you know, how it looks on Instagram, but you're doing such great things and I could not be happier to be here. And I know we talked when I was going through everything that we wanted to do this chat. And I am such an open book on this topic. I documented our process as much as I possibly could on uh, my baby account, which is called Making Baby Susa that I've left up and available for anybody who wants to get in there. I document my IUIs and my IVF cycles and just everything that I can possibly do to help somebody who's going through something like this. You shared so courageously. I find that oftentimes people are open to sharing the journey after they've gotten through it, after they've weathered the storm. It's more comfortable to discuss these things when you're like, I'm I'm good though. I'm okay now, everyone, right? Which is kind of what I did with my own story around my eating disorder. I didn't really talk about it until I was in a much stronger place around that. But you documented like the real raw ups and downs, and it was not a straightforward journey. And I just applaud you because that is a thousand times harder, a thousand times harder. Yeah. And for me, like it was very cathartic. I didn't even really think about it much when I had my first miscarriage back in 2018, April, um, that was kind of our first foray into getting pregnant. I had gone through three IUIs. It was the third IUI that works. And for anyone listening, IUI means in uterine insemination. So what you do is you're tracked by a fertility center. We had been trying for a good year before we got help from a fertility center. And then when we did, we started with IUIs, which is kind of a more passive treatment. They still monitor you. They monitor your cycles. You take medication to help you ovulate. They do all your blood work to just check, you know, how things are running, and so when it, when I had my first miscarriage after my third IUI, I actually never thought I would have a miscarriage. I was like, okay, we're getting help. Like this is going to happen. And it was such a blow to my confidence. And I was like, okay, this is going to take a lot longer than I thought it would take. And then I just, I just talked about it on my Instagram account, like my regular Instagram account. And it blew up. I couldn't believe it. I guess people don't really talk about, they weren't talking about that openly in miscarriage and stuff. I've been so happy to see such a movement these days with a more open conversation around that. And obviously celebrities adding to that conversation, which I think is just so essential because women have so much shame associated with having a hard time getting pregnant or miscarriage because it has to do with our reproductive system and our vagina and our like things that we're used to being secretive about yeah, that it just transitions into into fertility, and and women don't like to talk about it, but I'm here to talk about it. She's here to talk about it. She's here to open the book and put it all out there. <laughs> okay, I want to just back the card up for a second. So you and your husband Roberto, who is amazing, we'll freaking love Roberto. You'll find a lot of him on her Instagram page. <laughs> you and Roberto decide we are going to do this. We want to have a baby. You start trying for a year. Did you find it hard when you would get your period every month or were you just oh, like, oh, this just takes time. Like I'm busy with work and everything. Yeah, like, we got we got we got married when I was 30 how old was I? 33, I think. And we were like, Oh, you know, like we have time. Let's enjoy. I always wanted to be an older mom. I was building my business. It was going quite well. We got married in 2014 and we started trying in about 2016, just like, 
ah, let's just see how it goes. Like, let's not be too pressured. We, we went to Portugal. We had a great time. We had sex. We tried to make a baby. I was taking my temperature. And then it got really hard. And then months would pass. And of course, every time you get your period, and I've talked to so many women online about this, it is devastating. When you're trying for a baby, you just feel like there goes another month. And you feel very out of control and like something is definitely wrong with you. So every month, of course, you're crying and your spouse is trying to understand what that feels like as a woman when you feel like it's so easy for everybody. And that's why I did want to talk about it so openly whenever I possibly could, because everybody looks at everybody and says it was so easy for them. Why is it not easy for me? But so many people are struggling behind the scenes to get pregnant. I've talked through various friends that are going through fertility treatments right now. And they're, they're people in their life would have no clue. So you never know what people are going through. And so it can be a struggle, obviously, as you're trying to get there and just trying to be easy breezy about it. Like don't stress. And everybody would tell you, don't, don't stress It'll about happen it. When it's supposed to happen. Yeah, don't think about it. It's great. In theory. <laughs> just have fun. Just keep having sex. Don't put the pressure on yourself. Yeah. And then it, in the same breath, it's like, but are you taking your temperature? And have you tried this position? And are, yeah. you, are you eating well? Are you doing acupuncture? Are you, are you, and that's when the pressure comes into like, maybe I'm not healthy. Maybe it's me. Maybe it's the weight. Maybe it's like my lifestyle. Maybe it's the drinking, like who knows, you know, then you really start to feel like you have a spotlight on everything you're doing in your life and you have to try to control it to get an outcome. And it's hard. We talked about this even before I hit record. Immediately, we started talking about all things. And I was like, wait, 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 we've got to talk about this on the show. But we discussed the fact that I work with a lot of women, especially in the Raw Beauty Reset, who are on their own fertility journeys. And it has made their relationship with their body very complicated because of this spotlight effect that you're talking about, where all of a sudden it feels... I, f- I think for a lot of women, like the pressure's on you. Why isn't my body performing? Why can't I get pregnant? This is part of being a female. Like I should be able to do this and it should be happening faster. Mm-hmm. Did, so did you start to experience that yourself or were you kind of confident? Like this is. It, no, you know? for sure. I was like, okay, I need to eat these types of foods or and, and that's, I think, why like people are just so confused on how to approach it, like how to get the best outcome. You start reading all the books and there's so much information out there. And the best thing is to seek professional help. Yes. Like just like anything, Dr. Google is just really not a good place to be. Even when I was pregnant, I didn't Google anything because I was like, you start down this like wormhole. Those forums can be nutty. So, you know, getting professional help for me was just so essential right off the bat. So we got a referral to a fertility clinic in 2017. Oh my God. I can't even believe how fast time goes, but it was September, 2017. And I went into all of fertility and I need to give them a shout out because people are constantly asking me, where did you go? And they were amazing. Mm. So I highly, highly recommend them. I had a great experience. So we went in there in September and then the first time I got pregnant was April. Or, or March, 2018. So it took a big chunk and it was a long wait to get in there. So you feel like it's a pressure cooker because you're waiting, you're constantly waiting for something to happen. And you're like, time's ticking. I'm getting older. Another year has gone by before you know it. Everybody else is getting pregnant. Everybody else. I would cry when I saw pregnancy announcements and it's so not about you, but there's also 
shame in feeling that way. And I'll get messages from people who do feel like that. And I shouldn't, it's not about me. I shouldn't be crying when I see my best friend got pregnant. I'm like, I get it. Mm. You know, that is a total normal feeling to have when you long for something so personal that is such a huge part of your life. Yes. Yes, of course. And I feel like the highlight reel of social media, especially when you're going through a certain stage of life, like when you enter your thirties or even in, in some communities, when you're 25 and older, it's like every single week, someone's either getting engaged, getting married, popping out a baby, like the bump pictures are there. It's so in your face, mm-hmm. but when you're wanting that so deeply working so hard for it, I can only imagine yeah. that even if you're happy for them, that it's still like brings oh, up a lot for you as an individual. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And especially if we never used to be able to see when people would get pregnant back in the day, but now it's in our face all the time. So it's totally normal. And I would leave birthday parties crying, you Mm. know, for my friend's kids. And like, it's, it's a different kind of torture that, that I don't wish upon anyone. How can you support somebody that you know is going through this? And for me, for example, I have two kids and one of my closest friends was going through this journey. And it's like, you can't stop celebrating your kids' milestones and you want them to be a part of it, but you also see the pain that it's causing. Like, how do you support somebody who's going through it? Especially if you know they're going through it. I mean, the best thing you can do is just show interest in like, how are you feeling? Like consistent checking in, like the friends that would check in with me and be like, I know you had that appointment. If you feel like talking about it, I'm totally here. So they they were a little bit more direct than just like how are you doing? Yeah, um, they they know that I have the appointment. They care enough, you know, yes. to be in the loop and kind of hold my hand along the journey during the process. You're trying to reduce your stress so much that you know something like a food delivery, you know right. something like Legend Hall, which right. I love. I'm um, obsessed them a Totally. What a beautiful a idea because everyone sends that after a baby's born, but as you said, that's 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 nurturing. Like, it's nurturing, it's thoughtful, and it's caring and reduces some stress for the individuals going through it. Yeah. Love that suggestion. So just, just be there for them. Like it's not hard to send a text or a voice memo or something. You know, some of the closest friends I had would actually just call me. And I know that sounds crazy these days, even when I wasn't expecting them to call me and they, they just felt like they needed to get in and talk to me. And I didn't know I needed it, but they knew I needed it. Mm. Sometimes all you want to do, and you know, Aaron, like you want to cocoon and you don't want to talk to anybody and you withdraw. Yes. And when you see a friend doing that, the best thing you can do is just get in there because there is anxiety and depression associated with fertility treatments. You're messing with your hormones big time. And obviously you're, you know, in process, in the process of going through something very hard emotionally. So it, it treat it like you have a friend that's dealing with anxiety or depression. And what would you do do for them? I think a lot of times as well, if you haven't gone through it personally, you don't know what to say. And so then the tendency is to say nothing at all. And like yeah. to give the person space and to not, to not want to say the wrong thing or to make them cry when really I've learned no matter what it is, whether it's fertility or uh, mental illness or job loss. I mean, there's so many countless things just saying something is often better than nothing at all. It's so hard to feel like, oh my God, like you said, say the wrong thing. You know what? Send them a card in the mail. Like 
I had a friend that would send Thinking me little tiny gifts, little things, my favorite jam or whatever, just little things to be like, you're special to me. You matter to me. I'm here supporting you. I'm cheering you on. Mm-hmm. All those kind of things really could mean the world. Okay. So you came on board with Olive. You started IUI treatment with them and yeah. you got pregnant in April for the first time. Were you yeah. so excited? Oh my God. I remember that call. You remember these things? Like I remember the call. I remember how I told Roberto, I literally thought this was it. Oh my goodness. It took three IUIs. I'm so excited. And then when we miscarried, obviously I thought, okay, this is, this is going to be a journey. And then from there we ended up doing more IUIs. So there's different types of IUIs. There's the ones where you take the pill called Clomid. There's different types of medication. So the Clomid will help you ovulate and they track that and they monitor you with ultrasound and blood work to do the IUI with your partner's sperm or donor sperm, however you're going, just right at the right time that that egg is dropping so the sperm can can get that egg. So you think it's the perfect recipe, like how can this not work? And a lot of the times it doesn't work. And, you know, we do have to talk about male infertility because you know, you got to get the guy's sperm checked. He has to also take the supplements and try to get that sperm health up there. Because if you have a great egg, but the sperm isn't great, they're not going to meet and do what they need to do, or they might need a new need need and they do what they need to do rather. But, um, you know, it's not good quality. So your body kind of deals with it in a different way and you might miscarry. So we, we should also say that it does have to do with the guy sometimes too. Absolutely. So you both should get checked out. Um, so we did three of those with, um, or maybe we did five, I think we did five with that medication, just the oral medication. And then we upped it and we started doing injections with the IUI, which was, is just a little bit more aggressive to try to get more eggs popping Yes, so that multiple eggs will drop down and you have a better chance of getting one of those eggs. Again, they monitor to make sure that you're not dropping too many because multiples, So when you say you did five cycles of IUI after the first miscarriage, is that every month you're doing it? So that's five months of trying And It can be. I was just like, just do it. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Like I treated it like a job. I remember calling my doctor and being like, okay, that's going to work. What's next? What's next? Because I was just like trying to just work through this as fast as we could. But yes, you could do five in a row IUIs on month cycle. You could take a couple months off here and there depending on kind of how your body is feeling. Cause it is quite hard on your body with Clomid and, and the, yeah. the, the hormones. And also I can't imagine that this is like $20 each process. Oh yeah. Good question. Like, yeah. So, and that's why I continue to do IUIs and just, it's almost like you're gambling to be honest. Cause you're like, Kate, this is the one, Kate, this is the one it only costs $600. I know I say only, but once you get to IVF, we're talking tens of thousands of dollars. So right. I was like, okay, $600. Yeah, I can do another one. No problem. No problem. And then you, of course, you add all your supplements onto that. You're spending 200 a month on supplements. You're spending, you know, sometimes a thousand dollars a month on acupuncture. And I'm a big believer in in laser acupuncture and needle acupuncture. I know you like cupping. I'm sure you've done a lot of acupuncture Mm -hmm. too, but I am a huge believer in how that affects your overall health, which is what helps your egg health. So you add all that up. I mean, it's expensive. I felt so lucky that we could even afford it. I mean, I, I always say, how much, how much should we spend? 
probably close to four. I'm, I'm an open book. I don't mind talking about money. Probably all in all, after all was said and done, close to 40 grand on, on making Lola. and Making baby Lola. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yes. Making baby Lola. And Worth I, every I always, penny, but like that's not accessible to a lot of people. No. It's not available. Exactly. And a lot of people might have to borrow money. And that's the other thing about accessibility is that we don't have, like there are some provinces in Ontario, I believe there's a lottery system where you can be chosen. Um, and there's certain things that you can write off, but none of it in terms of like the treatment aspect is covered right. by health. So, right. okay. or, or any probably private healthcare plan, you'd be hard to, it would be hard to find one that would cover that. So you're paying out of pocket. The good news is to do all the testing is completely free if you're, if you're sent by your doctor. So that's a good thing. At least that's, we're in Canada. So um, in BC, it's covered by health, but the treatments are, you are spending money. So we always joke and say, when Lola turns 18, she's going to get a nice bill. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I love um, it. All in all, we did seven IUIs and then I believe it was seven or eight. It's funny. These things get foggy. And then we went on to do IVF and IVF is such a, I mean, huge, huge topic. I feel like we've heard about it. Obviously you hear about celebrities doing IVF and it's so watered down what we hear about what IVF is. It's like you hear the Kardashians or getting their eggs harvested and it's no problem. It's so easy. It is, it's intense. It's giving yourself needles every day. It's a very emotional experience, especially if you feel the clock ticking and you want to have a baby ASAP. I've counseled so many women online that are going through it and that are just feeling so anxious about the whole process because you are spending a lot and there's really no guarantees. You don't know how your body's going to react to these hormones until you're doing it. And you might get a lot of follicles, which are eggs for them to take out, but you might not. So you could have done this and spent all that money, $15,000, let's say in a cycle, and you don't have anything to show for it. So that's kind of I think where a lot of the stress, and again, it's such an emotional process. I definitely went to therapy. That was really important to take care of my mental health. But IVF is is a whole different ballgame. Did you know any other women outside of IG world um, who were going through this at the same time as you? I didn't. No. And as incredible as those relationships are that we build on Instagram, there is still something different about knowing somebody IRL in real life. who's going through it as well, but at least we have the online platform to connect us with others. Totally. That is super helpful. All right. So sometimes companies will send me a product to try. And about a year ago, I received this cool teeth whitening kit from a company called High Smile. To be completely honest, part of me was like, yes, give me the red carpet, shiny, glossy white teeth so that I look like an Insta filter on me 24 seven. But another part of me was terrified to use it because truly my teeth are as sensitive as my soul, which is really, really freaking sensitive. That kit sat on our bathroom counter for months and I couldn't get up the nerve to do it because I'd had such awful experiences with whitening strips and even using a dentist for whitening. So here's the deal. I would never lie to you girls because it's taken so much time to build up what we've got going on, but I want you to know I finally tried High Smile. I had zero sensitivity, like none, no 
sensitivity whatsoever. Here's the best part. High Smile just released a brand new kit with an even more effective formulation. So whiter teeth, it's been clinically trialed for effectiveness and came back with 0% sensitivity across all participants. It's so easy to use. There are no awkward strips or expensive visits to the dentist. And most importantly, no sensitivity. High Smile uses wireless LED light technology to whiten with six daily uses and without any harmful peroxides. With over 25,000 five-star reviews, I am not the only one <laughs> impressed with High Smile. If you're interested in brightening your smile, visit highsmile.com. That's H-I-Smile.com and look out for their brand new kit. All right, let's get back to the show. Okay, so what happened? You did your first round of IVF. Yeah, so you do IVF and what it is is you you basically poke yourself with needles at home to stimulate. So you stimulate your ovaries to produce as many follicles as possible. And they're monitoring you very closely with ultrasounds to check how they're growing and they're measuring them by millimeter. And you're, you're in and out of that fertility clinic. I don't know how people with a full-time desk job do it because you're in and out every day in the morning. Like you have to go back and forth all the time. And so they're monitoring you and then they do the retrieval. So then you go in and um, they give you like a, a really light sedative. So you're relaxed and they take the follicles out, they suck them out, and then they combine it with the sperm and see what grows. And then that's when things get stressful because you're constantly waiting. You're like, I think I had 13 that they took out and then they put them with the sperm and then they watch them and they see how they grow and then see how many embryos come from that. And I think we got seven, seven embryos that looked decent. Mm. And so that's just based on what they can see you can go deeper and you can do testing. So you can do genetic testing on them. That costs a lot. I think it's something like $5,000. Then don't quote me on these numbers. I'm just ballparking. Yes. And, um, and they're always going to, the rates are always going to change and everything as well, but it's yeah. different depending on the clinic, but it's, it's very costly to do that kind of genetic testing. We opted not to do it at the advice of our doctor. Hindsight's 2020. Would I have done it knowing that I was going to miscarry twice after that? Maybe. Mm. So again, it's a gamble. But we went ahead and we did a frozen transfer, which means that you let your body take a break after you harvest those eggs. Because in my opinion, you have so much going on that I just wanted to like let my body get rid of any sort of medication and just reset, get my stress levels in a good place. And then we went in and transferred two in. And again, that's a gamble because you put two and you don't know if they're both going to stick or if yes. one's going to stick or if none's going to stick. Right. And and you're using one of your eggs that you could save for later when you do totally. this plantation. And so, yeah, it's all, there's so much unknown and so much uncertainty. Totally. Oh. So you're just kind of gambling. And so uh, we did not want twins. Like we went in saying, okay, well, we're going to put in two and you're asking your doctor, what should we do? And she's kind of giving you her advice, but she doesn't know either. So I, you know, we decided, okay, I remember having that conversation with Roberta. Okay. You know, we've come this far. Let's just give it the best chance we can so we can have our baby. Let's put in two. So we put in two and they called me. I did a at-home pregnancy test four days or five days later because I mean, I was so excited, came back positive. I was 
over the moon. Like there's nothing like when you've been waiting for that positive pregnancy test. And I'm sure, you know, you having two babies yourself, like it's, it's so joyful when and you, when you really want it, there's nothing better than that feeling. I still have all of the tests. <laughs> Me too. I, yeah. ha- I have had four pregnancies, two uh-huh. babies. I still have all the tests as well. Aww. Yeah. Yeah. That gave me so, chills. And I, I think that, I think that so, so many of us have had more pregnancies than we've had babies, but it's just not talked about. It's no. just not openly shared. It's not. And, and people say it's so common that doesn't cancer is common. Cancer <laughs> is very sad. Like very. don't brush off a woman's issue because it's common. Yes. That's the thing. We all believe that we have to be strong and we can't complain. And like, so let's just not talk about it and let's just get through it. Cause our mom's got through it and that's what we should do. Like, absolutely not. Like this is, it's devastating. Mm. So, okay. You find out you pee on the stick. You're like elated. Yes. You're pregnant. Yeah. So I sent it to my doctor. She's like, woohoo, um, come in for your um, test, your blood test, you know, on schedule. So it's two weeks after transfer, two weeks or 10 days. I can't remember anyway. And then you go in, they check your numbers to see how they're rising. You know, yes. HCG, I think it's called, right? Yes. HCG. They're watching them. Of course, like you are white knuckling it the whole time. You're like, what's the number? Okay. Is that normal? Okay. What does it mean? You know, then they check it every couple of days to see how it's doing. And ours is progressing nicely. It's actually kind of on the high side. So I was so excited. Okay. This baby's going to stick. We go in for our first ultrasound. Did I believe it was, if it was, what was it? Six weeks or something. We go in for the first ultrasound. She puts in the thing. What does she see? Twins. <laughs> I, that video is so crazy. I swore at her, not in a mean way. I was just like, what the F? Oh my God. She didn't think it was twins. We didn't think it was twins just based on the number. So it was a shock. Like we'll never forget that. And we were just like, oh my God. Wow. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. Like we live in a two bedroom condo. Like our whole life would have to change. So anyway, panic, panic, panic. And, you know, we kind of came to terms with, okay, this is what's happening. This is what's meant for us. And then um, I ended up miscarrying one of those at, I believe it was eight, eight or 10 weeks. And then we watched the second one and, and that one also miscarried later. And so Mm. that was miscarriage. Yeah. That was, that was fertility journey, miscarriage two and three. And so that was devastating. I was so depressed, Aaron. Like that was in 2019, April. And we went to Portugal because I, Roberto's um, has a house there. And so we just went there and I was like, I can't do this anymore. Like I have done everything I possibly can. We still had five embryos left. And I was like, we need a break. Like I need to take a really solid break. Cause we'd been doing it back to back to back for like two years. So I needed a break. And we, we took a break, we reset, we came back in August and moved forward. So August of 2019. How was Roberto through all of this? Mm. Like we can't forget the men as well are going through their own journey of loss. Um, also grieving their like poor wife's pain that she's in and their own pain. I, I mean, I'm curious to know for him, I haven't heard his perspective on all this. What's your totally perception true. of, of his journey? Yeah. He was, he would always say just how helpless he felt. And yeah. you do feel helpless as, as the guy, because there's really nothing that you can do other than 
completely be there for me. And he's so good at that. Like he's just a very attentive spouse in general, always seeing to my needs. And that was so amped up and it brought us so close together. Like we are, and there's two ways it can go, you know, it can drive couples apart. I've seen that too. Um, It can really show you what you're made of. And I wanted to do a lot of it on my own just because I, I didn't, there's so much minutia associated that I took care of so much of it that I just didn't want to shoulder him with, you know, every single blood appointment, et cetera. So he would always, he was just there 110% for me. And there was no secrets with anything. And I think that's really important. Amazing. I'm so glad that you had that support from him as you should have, and that you were both able to decide to take the break to reset to go to Portugal. I'm just having this like sex in the city breakup moment where it's just like you're the, in the movie when she's in the dark room and she's like got mascara all over her eyes. It's just, she's just in this awful place and slowly like starts to kind of come back to herself. So what did that process look like? So true. So true. I feel like you kind of block it out. It's almost like childbirth. You like forget how painful it was (laughs) moving forward. But yeah, we went to Portugal and his family lives there and they just like loved on us. And we spent so much time just like at the beach, like no worries, no, no expectations, no worrying about sex, no worrying about anything. And it was, it was, it was just what we needed. I would recommend that like, however you can take a break whenever you're going through this process and you feel like it's too much, you don't have to soldier on, Right. like give yourself an emotional and physical rest and connect. It was nice to connect with him without us being on this crazy fertility train, you know, because it was that for so long, it was so defining. Oh, absolutely. I can only imagine that so many of your conversations would have been about this one topic, which, oh yeah. And you know what else, Erin, we should talk about is between all of these things, you know, getting all of the medical intervention, you're, you're still supposed to have sex. So we, it would be like, okay, you'd go, they'd stick that ultrasound thing up there. They'd look, they'd say, okay, tonight, go home and have sex with your husband. I'm like, oh, yay, fun. Like <laughs> the romance is told, there's no such thing anymore. Yes. And it's yes. so people are like, oh, just don't think about it. Oh man, it's so impossible. So we like, we've, we were, we cried together, you know, like you had so much pressure on him. I was like, not in a good place. So I was like a taskmaster, like just get it done. Do me. You have one job, just do that. Like those things came out of my mouth. I was not a good person in that moment. It's just what happened, you know, and I feel bad. We still talk about it. I'm like, I'm so sorry. Um, But I get it. I get where you're at in that space. And your body's become like this scientific test tube zone that no longer, you're probably just not as connected to your sexuality and there's stress involved and you're being poked and prodded and vacuumed. Like literally the eggs are being vacuumed out of you. How are you supposed to stay in this like sexual space. Yeah. And there's, and there are moments of resentment to your spouse where you're like, I have to go through all of this and you just get to show up (laughs) and this is all you have to do. And like, yeah, of course we got into arguments like that, but again, it really just brought us closer together. Like he let me just like be whoever I needed to be. Mm. And that was so important in me accepting like what was happening and also just to feel completely safe in our relationship. Yeah. So you come home from Portugal. 
Right. They're all like tanned. I remember the photos yeah. from this trip and being like, what? Get me there. Give me this life. You've had, you've had family feeding you. You've had yeah. sleep. You've reconnected. Exactly. Oh my God. Doesn't that sound lovely right now? Oh my God. That sounds <laughs> so we all take a moment. We can't wait to do that again. So we came back in August and then we did our second transfer October 24th of 2019. And I remember that day because it's my sister's birthday. And I remember doing it. And literally the first transfers that we did um, with the two embryos, I did everything by the book. I printed out the list of like, wear the socks, eat McDonald's French fries, which is an urban myth, drink bone <laughs> broth, eat, eat pineapple core, like all of the things they say to do after you get your embryos implanted into your uterus. This time I was like, honestly, whatever. Like if it's meant to happen, it's going to happen. I'm not doing anything. Like I'll go there. I'll get it done. I'll hope for the best. I'll rest. And that's about it. That's all you're going to get from me. And of course, four days later, like clockwork tested, was pregnant, was so happy. And like, if you're noticing a trend, it's like, I can, I can get pregnant. Like the numbers are supporting a pregnancy. Yes. And so when somebody might say you're it's infertility, it's not infertility that's not a diagnosis on like, like there's a very few people that can't, there are things you can do to try to get there. You yes. know, yes, infertility exists, but it's not the blanket term for people going through fertility treatments. Right. So I could get pregnant. I had a hard time keeping the pregnancies. So they call it reoccurring miscarriage. You know, you've had two. Mm-hmm. And when you get to a certain point, they start, they start terming it something different. It's reoccurring miscarriages. So at that point, that's what I was considered. I could get pregnant. So I thought, okay, well, I'm pregnant again. At that point, you're just kind of like, yay. I was going to say, you must be on one (laughs) hand excited. And on the other hand, terrified that you're going to have to go through this hell again of potentially losing the baby. So it's like, I don't want to let myself be too happy. I know. I know. And you, I'm a big believer of like living in the moment, not worrying about the future. But once you go through something like this, it changes that. So we went in for the testing. Everything was looking good. The pregnancy was growing, still wasn't sure. And then you, of course you get to that three month mark and you're like, okay, okay. She's looks like baby's sticking around this time. Let's see how this goes. But literally every single day you are nervous. You are white knuckling. And I know anyone who's been pregnant and anyone who's miscarried feels nervous. Yeah. Every single day, the joy is hard to find because you're like, no, I shouldn't let myself. I can't believe it yet. No, it's when when I get to this marker, that's when I'll be fine. And you're just really never fine. (laughs) Yes. Which I completely get. It can feel hard to celebrate. It can feel hard to let people know it can be because when, when you open your heart up to a baby at any stage, even if it's just the ideation, even if there aren't cells splitting in your body and developing a baby, when you can't get that, when it's not coming to fruition, it breaks your heart. Like it breaks your heart. And so you learn to kind of protect your heart a little bit. And so one of my close girlfriends who went through this, and I've had a lot of friends who have gone through this. And I think part of it I mean, there's a million reasons, but we are as women having babies later in life because we're growing careers and we're, we're doing our thing, which is exciting. But I, I, I can't help but wonder as well, if it's also bringing some difficulties to the table in moments, who knows? And are we really supposed to like change the pattern of what we're doing? Totally agree. I don't know. And that's the biological factor that unfortunately us women are, are, 
just have to deal with and we don't get a choice in the matter. And that's uh, sometimes a hard pill to swallow. And the other thing is that you hear people are always like, oh, well, Julia Roberts got pregnant and blah, blah, blah. Or <laughs> so-and-so got pregnant. And I'm like, you have no idea what they did to get pregnant. You don't know if they froze the eggs 10 years ago. Yes. Like don't look to those celebrities as your poster children for the abilities of fertility treatments into your forties. Like if I could give myself one piece of advice, it would have been to freeze my eggs when I was in my early thirties. Of course, I wasn't even thinking about that. No, but those, you can do that. If you want to do that there, you have choices. Um, I know your friend, Caitlin Bristow did that, right? Yep. She's Um, frozen her eggs. I know a few people who have gone that route And again, it's not accessible to everyone because it costs money, but it is, if it's something that is accessible to you, it is, it's worth noting that we as women have a biological clock and that, that our eggs are finite. They're finite. They're finite. They they are finite. They change. I think after the age of even like 27 or something, we're born with a set amount of eggs and they just drop and drop and lifestyle plays into how many eggs you have left at a certain age. Also hereditary, you know, depending on how it went for, for women in your life, in your, in your family, so many different factors. And that's why Like, it's just good to go get assessed. You can do a couple of tests to check your AMH, your FSH, see where that is sitting. That will give you a good idea on like what kind of timeline that you might want to work with. One thing that we haven't talked about yet in this whole journey, which sounds emotionally and physically exhausting, to be honest, and like you're on a roller coaster, is that you were still working, building your business. Like you had a full job as well as all of this. And I can say as a mom that one of the things that we also sort of have to navigate as women is that our biological clocks are also often aligned with when our careers are starting to take off. And so whether you're going through fertility treatment or just a pregnancy or have young kids at home, it is this other dichotomy of motherhood that isn't talked Mm -hmm. about a lot that Mm -hmm. is it's challenging to navigate. And then again, I think it really does go back to women. They, they just feel like they can just shoulder. I can do it all. I can shoulder it all. I'm like, women don't need to know that they can do it all. They need to actually do less. Like you can do it all, but you don't have to do it all. Yeah. Um, in my case, I'm the breadwinner of the family. And so my career can't just be put on hold. I can't take a sick leave. I can't take stress leave. I'm building a business. I, I own my company. I have clients you know what that's like. And there's a lot of pressure associated, you know, when you're the breadwinner and you're also wanting to carry a baby and trying to get to the point where you can carry a baby. I did have to cocoon and scale back um, just because I want to give my clients my best work. And when you're going through this, it's, it sounds easy. It sounds like, Oh, you just go to appointments and you do injections. There's so much more. I spent so many days on the couch, not feeling well or being depressed. And like, you just can't run, you know, a normal life going through all of this. And so that, that was challenging. And then obviously there's the mat leave aspect, which I do definitely want to touch on really quickly once we get to that point. But I want to talk a little bit about women, you know, not necessarily having to take the mat leave if you, if you don't want to, Mm -hmm. Um, or if maybe, you know, financially you can't afford to, um, and, and the husband could step in and maybe take a paternal leave. Roberto's taking a year off work and it's been, he's a hairstylist and it's been magical. 
it's been so nice for him. He gets to bond with her. He always says like, you carried her around close to you for nine months and now I get to. And I think that's so sweet. And it opens up a different part of them. Yeah, I think it helps set the tone sometimes a little bit for how involved they feel like they can be throughout the child's life. Because sometimes as women, like we're just like, so like, hey, we got to do this, we got to do that. We need to, you know, book this, we need to, but to have the dad involved right off the bat in such a liberal way is, is really nice for everybody. And I think a new way to frame things. I love it. I am picking up what you are putting down. (laughs) I think it's so empowering for the whole family, truly, and just a great perspective and a a great way of opening up the roles. It's 2021. Like, hello, we we can do things differently than we've done for the last 400 years. And a lot of women are out earning their husbands and there's nothing to be ashamed of. There's, you can talk about that. And Sometimes financially, it just makes more sense for you to not take a year off of your career because it's going really well and maybe you don't want to. So you can, if you want to, but just know that you have a choice. Mm. So you're pregnant. You are like white knuckling. (laughs) Every day is going by. You're still pregnant. Baby Sosa is all signs are pointing to she is sticking around. Did you find out the gender? Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You're a planner. Yeah. Yeah. Super excited that we were having a girl. It's funny because every baby that we conceived was a girl. The twins were girls. The miscarriage in 2018 was a girl. So it's like we were just destined. This girl really wanted to find us. And she did. I ended up getting induced at right on my due date. That's Aaron, a planner. Like you said, I'm like... Hey, it's on my due date. Let's just get it. Let's, I really just wanted to get her out because I was super nervous. Yes. You know, you hear about these things going wrong. So, so late in the game and still burnt, still births and stuff. And I was so nervous. And so I was like, Hey, let's just go, let's go. And so, yeah, of course, you know, 52 hour labor and women's is amazing. I uh, wouldn't possible in BC. 52 hours. Yeah. And so, and um, obviously I, I was just so open to whatever I'm like, whatever it takes to get her out safe, I yes. will do it. Like yes. if, if I need to get a epidural, great shirt, let's do it. I didn't think it would be 52 hours. Ended in a C-section and she was born on July 12th. So she's uh, eight months. And um, she is oh the cutest little yeah. angel. Like, yeah. It's oh my really given us the most like, the greatest perspective, like every day I wake, walk into her nursery and I'm just like, so it's such a different level. I mean, I don't know it any other way, but I just feel like every day we're just so grateful for her. It's, and when you're going through it, you cannot picture being on the other side because you're so in it. You're like, this is never going to happen for me. Like, you know, all all of these things have gone wrong. I'm never going to get there. And then you do. And I can't even believe this is our life now. We have baby toys. And, you know, we held out the hope and we did whatever it took to get there. We were able to have the financial ability to get there. And that's why I hope that talking about these things helps normalize it so that it can become more accessible to people mm-hmm. because it is a medical issue and it needs to be, to be supported as such. I am speechless. Like I cannot thank you enough for opening up in such detail about your journey. And I know how 
oh, excruciating it was in moments. And then also now on the flip side to be able to see you just like reveling in this little girl and motherhood. And of course that doesn't mean that just because you've tried so hard that all of a sudden every day as a mom is glorious and rainbows and butterflies and easy. And that you don't have days when you're like, Oh my God, it'd be nice to just like lie on a beach in Portugal without anything going on. Totally Right. But you, there is like this extra level of gratitude and joy that you can feel and just see. Yeah, totally. And like, I just feel like, like we know that we were meant to have a baby and we also know that Lola is going to be our only baby. And the reason that is I would love to have two babies, but I know if I start going down that road again, I know how much it will take away from Lola. And I know that I won't be, you know, the mama that I want to be to her while she's little. And so we've made that decision and had that conversation that we will have one baby and, and we'll be happy with that. Mm. Wow. I think Lola landed the parent jackpot and you're going to have so many adventures and life experiences with her. Erin, if somebody's listening right now and they're on this journey themselves and you could sit down and just have like a two minute conversation with them, what's the one thing that you would want to leave them with? That's such a good question. I feel like it's so cheesy, but I always say just one day at a time, like take it one day at a time, look to tomorrow, but don't look any further and you'll get through And how it's supposed to go might look messy and feel uncomfortable, but you're going to get to the other side and it might look different than other people. It might mean that you do, there's so many options. Like it might mean that you do IVF or it might mean that you do egg donor, sperm donor or adoption, or like you're going to find that baby that was meant for you. Mm, Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you again for joining. I cannot wait to continue following along on your journey. You're always so well-spoken and articulate and just this like bright bubble. I feel like on social of all the things that you love and the businesses that you're supporting and the way you're showing up as a woman in the workforce and beyond. So thank you. Thank you. Well, thank thank you. you for leading the charge on a lot of that, Erin. You're so sweet. You're so sweet. If you have been listening to this podcast episode and you've enjoyed it, or you've learned something, or maybe you felt a little less alone in your own journey and you have a moment to share it, take a screenshot, tag Erin C. Sousa, S-O-U-S-A on Instagram tag at Raw Beauty Talks. We will regram. We want to know your thoughts on this conversation. It's supposed to be a conversation. So join in. Type and us a send little it message. And your girlfriends that are having a hard time with fertility and let them know that you're thinking of them. And the girlfriends in your circle so that everyone knows how to support and what to say. I feel like you've shared some really amazing insights into how we can be better friends and loved ones to individuals who are going through this as well. So So you have a beautiful day. Take care of yourself. Enjoy that little girl. Tell Roberto I say hi. And I can't wait to connect with you in person once this COVID madness is passed. Sounds good. Thanks, Erin. Do you ever feel like you're struggling through motherhood? You're not alone. I'm Erica Jossa, host of the MomWell podcast, therapist and mom of three. Join me each Wednesday as I sit down with guests, including psychologists, pediatricians, psychiatrists, fertility specialists, lactation consultants, and more to unravel the myths of motherhood with expert advice, practical tips, 
self-love, and some coping skills to help you along the way, you can become the mother you want to be. Listen to the MomWell podcast at momwell.com slash listen or on your favorite podcast platform.